Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, and we're systematically discovering what the Scripture teaches regarding theological topics. Our goal is to put the theological cookies on the bottom shelf where we can all reach them, and we'll seek to do this in a way that's very applicable to the lives we live, because the real power of theology is not just in knowing it, but applying it. Jeff, in our last podcast, we introduced this huge concept of the Trinity, which I'll remind everyone is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We chatted about how the Trinity is the doctrine we all believe, but very seldom discuss. Either we all understand it, and therefore we don't need to discuss it, or none of us really understands it, and therefore no discussion is possible. Which of those do you think is more likely? Yeah, and I I think we very cheerfully admitted (laughs) that we tend to fall into that latter category. Now, of course, it's our desire here at Kitchen Table Theology to give some explanation on the doctrine of the Trinity, but we would not say that we fully understand it. I'm, I'm not sure anybody, any human really does, but however, as we reminded us last week, that doesn't make it untrue. Many of the things we believe we don't fully 100% understand, and that that statement is so true, especially when it it comes to us speaking about God himself. Mm-hmm. And as we do that in today's podcast, we'll talk about God the Father and his role within this framework that is the Trinity. Yeah, so let's dive in and let's let everybody know that we are recording this at the height and maybe hopefully we're on the we've just started the downside of the flattened curve. Flattened curve. <laughs> That's when we're recording this. And I really hope that as you are listening to this, that we are all well on the other side Absolutely. of it. And one of the elements of in all of our lives is how this pandemic affected everyone relationally. Uh, I don't know that we all saw that coming. People, <laughs> though, need people. Now, for I think you and I tend to be more introverted people. We are. <laughs> and introverts have been... Thrilled with all of the social, you know, I've been trying to be socially distant all of my life. We haven't even looked up for a few no. weeks. What's going on? It's like, yeah. But, you know, it's killing other people. Oh, and But really, it's very, very difficult because we need people and we feel like we've been cut off a little bit. I mean, I know Darlene and I do from our children and our grandchildren. People feel cut off from parents and friends and co-workers, it's really, really difficult. And I will say, I've tried to make a concerted effort to check on my extrovert friends <laughs> yeah. because they are really suffering because it's, you know, we can talk talk and laugh about personality types, but it, it really is what you thrive on and what you get your emotional right. energy in. And a lot of extroverts really do, they they find energy in those relationships. And, you know, even of us that, that say that we're introverts, to some degree, we still, I think sure. we just hone down <laughs> where we, <laughs> those relationships that we get that energy from. Because I think that, as I think you're going to mention, God made us to be relational creatures, right? 
Well, absolutely. And I, I think the reason we feel that so deeply is that we've all been created by God to be in relationship, not only with each other, but we were created to be in relationship with, with God himself. Mm-hmm. So we value and need our, our people. Uh, in the Ten Commandments, we're told to honor, you know, as I learned it as a little kid, honor thy father and mother. Well, what is that? It's relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're told as husbands and wives in Scripture to love and cherish one another. What is that? Relationship. The moment, I mean the moment, all three of my daughters were born, and they were all born, we don't have triplets, they were all born <laughs> separately. But the moment, the first time I ever laid eyes on them, in those initial seconds, I knew I would give my life up for that baby, that little girl who was mine. And we had only just met, you know. It, yeah. But what is it? It's relationship. Yeah. And I think another big relationship that we've come to see is this truth that stands behind this church without walls concept because we haven't mm. been able to be within the walls right. of the church. You know, it's it's really this idea of the body of Christ. And I miss that, you know, as somebody that's part of our worship team here at church, you know, mm-hmm. obviously I, I thrive on that, that worshiping together, the gathering of that. So I, I miss that. So doesn't that just tell us that God, man, is a relational God? He absolutely is. And, you know, it, it you know, just to jump off on what you said about the church. Well, what's one of the metaphors for the church is the family of mm, God. Family of God. And he, he puts us in relationship. Um, you read some of the New Testament epistles, and it talks to younger men, older men, younger women, older women. What, what do you do with the old? Like, for me, how do I treat an older woman? Like a mother. Mm. How do I treat... Um, another woman in the fa- as a sister you know he puts it in family relational context mm-hmm. so yeah absolutely he's a relational god and he has not only existed forever he has existed in relationship forever and perhaps seeing that relationship might help us a little bit so we're we're continuing to to try to wrap our minds around the trinity a little bit in these podcasts it's it's really imperative that we understand the relational oneness of God. There are three members of what's called the Godhead. That's, you know, forming a trinity. And they're easily identifiable in Scripture. We, 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 uh, we touched on this one verse mm-hmm. uh, last in, podcast. In Mark, at the water baptism of Jesus, it's Mark 1, verses 9 through 11, and we read, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. And that's such an incredible moment. Mm. Uh, you can, can almost you imagine? see it. Yeah, <laughs> just the imagery. And you've you here we find the Trinity right there in in that in that moment. The the Scripture identifies the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as individual entities. So Jesus, God the Son, has been baptized. The Holy Spirit is descending upon the Son like a dove, and the Father is speaking from heaven. So we see the Trinity. We see the Trinity again mentioned in the book of Acts. Stephen is the first martyr of the Christian church. And in Acts 7.55, how about reading that one for us? Sure. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he, 
referring to Stephen, gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So Stephen saw God the Father and Jesus at the same time in heaven. Mm -hmm. And then the scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit was in Stephen. So again, in just one sentence, we, we see the Trinity. So we learned in our last podcast that God is one, and that's been the teaching of Scripture since the dawn of time. So we know that there is only one true and living God, but that God is referred to in the Bible as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's be really clear about this doctrine, because this people go astray a lot with the doctrine <laughs> of the Trinity. So maybe maybe let's understand what the Trinity is not. Uh, Christianity, Orthodox Christianity, does not believe in three gods. That some people do. Uh, that's that's a heresy, and it's called tritheism, three gods. Secondly, we don't believe that the Father, Son, and Spirit are three forms of God, like steam, water, and ice are all forms of H two O, which you have taught. You I didn't teach it. I saw it as an example, yeah. and I did pause and think, huh, I, maybe I could explain it that way. Well, we, we look for, uh, you know, the, the three-leaf clover with St. Patrick goes yeah. back to him trying to explain to the king the Trinity. And every time we use anything created— to try to explain the supernatural, it's we really end up tying ourselves in, into knots. But God is not um, three form. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. The, the the Father, Son, and Spirit are not three forms of God. That, What's that called? It's called modalism. M o d a l i s m. And modalism, by the way, is really having a bit of resurgence in the American mm. church today right now. So that's why it's good to be able to recognize it because mm -hmm. it is. In fact, heretical. And the word modalism, you know, we're really simplifying here, mm -hmm. but it's that uh, that God appears in certain modes, mm. modalism. Third, we don't believe uh, that the Father, Son, and the Spirit are parts or pieces of God. I've heard people kind of, you know, touch on that a little mm. bit. Um implying that Jesus is one-third God, the Father's one-third God, the Spirit is one-third God. Like a pizza. Like a, just like a pizza, <laughs> exactly. That's, that's, a, that's probably a really good analogy. Everybody of, wants to hang it on something. Of, of, a, her, of a heresy, yeah. Um, you know, in, in good Orthodox Christian theology, the distinct, what makes the, the Trinity distinct is, is all three are equally God. Equally God, and that's really important. I, I read a, um, I read a uh, a survey of American evangelical Christians, and I think seventy eight percent. I'll do, go double check it, but ag agreed that Christ was created by God. Hmm. I hope I'm high on that number, but it was a shockingly high number. He wasn't created by God. He has always existed. But people say that, oh, yeah, I can see that. You know, no, it's, that would be wrong. Um, they well, are equally God. I think it's probably God. because of the father-son. We, we exactly. just, again, well, we want to tie it to human yeah. things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, let's look at what the Scripture says. The, the Apostle Paul, he identified the Father as God, 
and when he said 1 Corinthians 8, 6, he says, For us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him. So he calls God the Father. Then he's writing to Titus in chapter 2, verse 13, and he says, We're looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So now he refers to Jesus as God. And Luke, and who wrote the book of Acts in chapter 5, points out the fact that the Holy Spirit is also God because he tells us that Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit and then goes on to say, uh, they say, why have you lied to God? Hmm. So they call, the Holy Spirit is referred to as, as God there. So we see Paul say, God the Father, God the Son, and then Luke talks about the Holy Spirit being God. And as we talked about last time, the Bible never says the word Trinity. Yeah. So in this case, we see the Trinity mentioned in the Bible in their distinctiveness, right? And we Correct. see that God is the Father, and he fits within the Trinity. Or does he fit within the Trinity? Well, absolutely. He better fit within the Trinity or we're all in big <laughs> trouble. Uh, so let's talk about God the Father and, and his distinct role in the Trinity. I, I really appreciate how Dr. Lewis Sperry Chafer breaks this down for us. He, he wrote a book called Major Bible Themes. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, put that in the show notes. He says that concerning the fatherhood, you know, I need simple. Last podcast I said I need pictures. I need <laughs> pictures. I need simple. He, he breaks it down into four aspects, pretty distinct, but they help me understand this. So listen closely, catch this. We can see God as the Father of all creation. We can see God as the Father in intimate relationship. We can see God as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see God as the Father of all who believe in Christ as Lord and Savior. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm tracking with that. But, like, you need simple. I need repetition. Can you, <laughs> can you break those down for us one more time? Yeah, so let's start with God the Father of all creation. Although all three persons of the Trinity participated in creation, we read, I think it's in Colossians, about how Christ was uh, very much a part of the creation. Mm -hmm. But all three uh, persons of the Trinity were part of creation, of our physical universe and everything that exists in it. God the Father, who, by the way, is often referred to by theologians as the first person, capital F, capital P, first person, in a special way, he's the father of all creation. And Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 3, and he says that he bows his knees under the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this, of the whole family in heaven and earth. So here, here is the whole family of all the creatures, including angels, including us. And we're declared that we constitute a family of which God is the father. So we're part of the family. He's the Father. In a similar way, Hebrews 12, 9, uh, God the Father is referred to as the Father of spirits, which would seem again to include all moral beings like angels and, and humans. Mm -hmm. Okay, so God is the Father of all creation. We've got that. And then you said we see God's relationship within the Trinity as God the Father by intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. Un unpack that one because that's a little confusing. Well, throughout the Old Testament, the concept and relationship of father and son, we, we see that 
over and over again, many places as it relates to God and Israel. And mm. we know about this relationship with God and Israel, and it's frequently referred to as a relationship like a father with a son. Um, and it's a very special relationship that he has with his people, Israel. And he affirms, like, I've got this divine care for you, this divine love for Israel, similar to that of a father to a son. And then in general, that's kind of specific with Israel, but in general, we see, we see God in the Old Testament declaring his care and love as a father over anybody who trusts in him as their God. Psalm 103.13, beautiful statement is made. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Okay, so to summarize where we are at this point, we've got God the Father of all creation, second, God the Father by intimate relationship, and I think you said thirdly, God as the Father of Jesus Christ? Right. So God is the Father of the Lord Jesus. Ephesians 1, 3, Paul describes this way, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't, you know, that's pretty plain, mm. pretty simple. And, and Jesus is referred to frequently throughout the New Testament as the Son of God. I mean, we we know that. And there again, we see relationship. Every time you call him the Son of God, you're inferring a relationship with God the Father. So there again, we see relationship. So Christ is the second person of the Trinity in relation to the first person as a son is related to a father. Gotcha. So let's keep this going. But again, I'm a repeater. <laughs> we got God is the father of all creation. He's the God, the father by intimate relationship yep. and God, the father of Jesus Christ. What's that final relationship aspect you mentioned? I mean, I remember there were This four. one's really cool because the Bible tells us he's God is the father of all who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That so that's the church. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so that... It seems to stand a little bit in contrast to the first concept of God the Father when we said he's the creator, uh, and he has a special creative relationship with, with our physical universe, and he's the father over the, what has been created. So that extends to all of creation. But this one, father of all who believe in, in Christ, this is the truth. God is the father in a special sense of those who are have become Christ followers, those people who have received eternal life through faith in Christ alone. So God is the Father of everything created, including us. But that doesn't mean that all have eternal life. Mm -hmm. Scripture is abundantly clear that there's salvation only for those who have received Christ by faith as their Savior. And when we do that, God, in that sense, then becomes our Heavenly Father. And the Holy Spirit, who we will learn about in later podcasts, he does his regenerating work in the life of an individual and brings that person into relationship with God the Father as a child of God. And God actually, because of us coming into that relationship, really we he becomes our Heavenly Father as we come into the family. And the cool thing about that is, going back to the Holy Spirit's work in that, uh, we can call God Abba, Father. Mm. And the best way I can translate that is if we said Daddy, Sir. There's mm -hmm. an intimacy there, but there's also a reverence 
and a respect. Mm-hmm. That kind of combines some of those mm-hmm. concepts we've talked about today. So speaking of, we've got God is the Father of all creation. He is the Father by intimate relationship. God the Father of Jesus Christ, and God is the Father of all who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And if your head's not spinning enough now... (laughs) There's another one? (laughs) There's lots of other ones. That's really only the tip of the iceberg, but that's enough for us today (laughs) in our podcast. Yeah, so let, let me wrap up with this, Jen. Daniel Webster... Uh, From now, the not, dictionary? Not, not Noah. That was Noah Webster <laughs> uh, who gave us a great dictionary. No, um, Daniel Webster, now you've got me confused. Daniel Webster, <laughs> was, um, uh, he, was a, he was a great American statesman and elected official, and he served the cabinet positions, and he, he was a brilliant man and probably one of the greatest orators that our nation has ever produced. He was also a Christ follower. He lived in the early, um, m- m- uh, most of his life spent in the early part of the 19th century. Uh, somebody asked him, you know, knowing he was a Christ follower, how can a man of your intellect believe in the Trinity? Hmm. And his answer, I loved his answer. He, he said, I do not pretend fully to understand the arithmetic of heaven now. Hmm. And I love that phrase, the arithmetic of heaven. So the arithmetic of heaven teaches us that God is one and that he's three in one, and we don't fully understand it all now, but one day we will. Mm-hmm. Kind of our, our arithmetic is one plus one plus one equals three, and I, I, maybe it's more right to say one times one times one equals one. I, you know, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> if you could all, folks, if you could only see your face on that one. I'm going back to my kindergarten teaching days. How would I explain that one? <laughs> but you know, one day we will understand it all. The, the, here's here's what here's what the Trinity should bring to us. Here's here's some application for our lives. The Trinity should cause us to bow in humble adoration. Mm. I think that's a line out of a hymn somewhere too. Before a God who is greater than our minds could ever comprehend. Mm. You know, we can rejoice that we have a triune God who has provided a Trinitarian salvation for us. So catch this. When we were lost in sin, our God acted in every person of his being to save us. The Father gave the Son. The Son offered himself up on the cross, and the Holy Spirit brought us to the Son. We were so lost, so far from God, that it took every member of the Godhead to save us. Mm. And that is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand it fully, but I, how, how grateful I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, what a great place to end today's podcast. I hope you understand and really feel the beauty in that statement that our depth of sin is wrapped up in a huge, enormous, powerful, almighty God. Mm-hmm. As we wrap up today's podcast, let's remember that the real power of all these things we're learning, the real power of theology is not only in knowing it, but applying it. Thanks so much for joining us today, wherever or however you're listening, from school or work or working out, or maybe just while you sat at your kitchen table with a cup of coffee. We thank you for joining us. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's podcast stimulated a question or two, or four, or five, or 
500. <laughs> in a few weeks, we'll devote another podcast to answering your questions. Maybe not 500 of them, but... Let's hope not. Yeah. <laughs> we'll really test you then. Just shoot us an email to pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. Ask those questions and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're listening from. We'd love to hear from you. Our next podcast will deal with the topic of God as Son. So we'll see you then. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.